0: Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Canel. Back to down the tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right
1: before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me.
2: What is going on? It is Wednesday. This is episode 8 of Cannell and Bell. Off the Bench. The Ocho. What's going on?
1: Chilling, so I
2: feel like we, we're still in the infancy of this podcast, but I feel like we're pretty comfortable together. Yes. Uh So you were just showing me videos of your boy out yeah. there doing some, <laughs> one of your boys, they all play basketball, they're yes. all hoopsters. Yes. Uh, when does it become the point where, because I... I'm not accusing you of this of at all, but we've all been around those parents who brag about their kids too much. And I know. I, you haven't even ever showed me a video of your kid. I love
1: seeing it. I was reluctant to do it. Um <laughs> I was admittedly. And I was trying to gauge it here. I actually hit the picture once. I was like, probably don't do that, bro. Cause that's going to come off. Like, but the reason I did was because he kind of turned a little corner. Like it's been kind of me saying, let's go, bud. Let's get out there. And like last night, he started to take some ownership in it, and like you, he started to be really excited. So then I got excited.
2: Yeah. So I'm super sensitive about always downplaying. The, yeah. Always downplaying. The you, kid. Must. Yeah. you must, yeah, must, because you don't want to be that annoying no. parent who says, you, "Like let let the kid prove it on his own." Correct. Don't set the stage so high, and then everybody's like, "Oh, why are you bragging about this my, kid?" My my best friend Gene does it great up
1: in New Jersey. Like his son will drop 40 on you in a heartbeat. But he'll never say it. And then I go up there and I watch the kid and I'm like, he had 42. And he's like, yeah, yeah, he's pretty good. That's the like, way it perfect. should be. That's perfect. the way every parent yep. should be.
2: All right, we got a huge show for you coming up. We have a huge guest, Uh my former partner at ESPN Radio, uh, Ryan Sill is going to join us. He called me out on his show the other day. So Shots fired? Yeah, shots fired, took some low blows. Oh. I thought they were below the belt, so I'm going to call him out on it. I'm going to have him on the show. I know there's some probably extenuating circumstances why i couldn't go on his show because it felt like he would have done that we can have him on ours so we're going to address those that. issues uh we got a ton of the Bavar most balls. biased voice in college football <laughs> yeah. yeah thanks for uh so now we're going to have that drop huh uh so yeah we're going to address that with ryan but also kirk Cartstreet took shots at me on twitter i was not thrilled with that uh so we'll we'll address all of that a little bit later in the show we've also got so we're going to both me and you are going to rank top five most passionate fan bases mm, okay. in all of sports, not just college football. We're going to do some NBA cities. Yep. We'll do it all. We're going to make our top five most passionate fan bases, but there was finally some breaking news out of Tallahassee. Okay. Florida State after Jimbo Fisher goes to Texas A&M. Now fully, full disclosure. They had been reaching out to me. I'd give them a little bit of advice, but they, but the thing that I admire about Florida State is that they saw this coming. They were able to look at the situation with Jimbo Fisher and say, you know what, maybe he goes, maybe he doesn't, but we better make sure we have our stuff together so that plan. if he goes, we don't yeah. want to be looking like Tennessee. What's mm-hmm. going on in Knoxville? We don't want to appear that way. We want to make sure we're lined up. They did it. They were doing their due diligence. They met with several options. Willie Taggart was their guy, and they lock him down. He's coming to Florida State as the next head coach. Good for them.
1: I I Here's... If I'm being honest, like, I, I don't, my jury's still out on Willie Taggart. It is. Now he turned around USF. I don't think he got to, to bear the fruits there. Like, he left and went to Oregon before, um that thing was what it was this year. Cause that was his team, right? Mm-hmm. That, that Charlie Strong was winning with. Yep. Um, like a Florida guy, like, I've seen interviews with him and, and, and specials on the Oregon situation and he seems like a class act all the way around. And Florida was his, Florida State was his like dream, dream job, job. Right? Yeah, growing so. Up. Like, I wish him all the best, but I'm being honest. In terms of, of coaching, um, doing it on a major, like, program level, like ACC, SEC level, the, the jury's still out for me.
2: So here's the here's the knock on Willie Taggart. And I've seen – because a lot of Florida State fans have hit him, what do you think of the hire? Yeah. I think it's a good hire. I like Willie Taggart. Every time I've worked him, covered him at USF, covered him this year at Oregon. Like him. Great personable guy. He's right. Supposed to be a great recruiter. I don't know if he's going to be good. Right. Like, I mean, exactly. seriously, like, there are no guarantees – in college football, I like the hire. I'm really curious to see the staff that he brings with him. If he brings Jim Levitt, Has there have been some reports that he's bringing his defensive coordinator Cristobal. from Oregon. Mario Cristobal, yeah. is he going to bring him to run an offense and run the offensive line? Uh, who, and then who else is he going to be able to get? Ron Dugans is down at Miami yeah. with Mark. Don't Rick played Ron with alone. me at Florida State. Alone. He's a great He's recruiter, a good job. and he was with Willie at USF. Uh, okay. Can he lure him back right. to to his staff? I don't know. If, if you were just asking me, quality of life, and I, this will probably make a lot of Florida State fans <laughs> really mad. You don't need but, any more enemies yeah, but, hero. but if Ron Dugans is happy in Miami, like life situation. Why would you go back to Tallahassee? Now maybe he maybe has ties there. He wants to go back to where he played. Right. Then more power to him. But so Willie Taggart under five hundred as a head coach. That's been some of the knocks. Today. I think he's forty seven and fifty as a head coach. Right. There have been some some knocks about that. Uh, and I think they're valid questions. I think Oregon this year underperformed. I think they were seven and five uh, when it was all said and done. So people are like, well, what what's going on? Well, Jimbo Fisher just got signed for seventy five million bucks after going. Uh, six and six, you know, or five and six is the head coach. So I think it's all about fit. This is the first time Florida state has had to actually hire a coach in 40 years. So this is uncharted territory, but it's, I, my thing would be no matter how it goes for at least three or four years, you almost have to just give them. Say whatever happens, happens. Right. Like, unless it's an absolute train wreck, but you're not going to see that happen with Willie Taggart.
1: You're you're resetting it. You're hitting the reset button to a degree. I mean, your your cupboards are still kind of loaded. Like, at at Florida State, you're never going to be depleted of talent. You have all of these kids that just want to go to your school naturally. But in terms of, like, getting the culture reestablished and making it his own before you can make – um, a determination on whether he is or is not the guy. You got to give him at, l- at least three years in a college program to do that, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. You got to give him that. Give him a chance to get his recruits. But and you've already seen some recruits praising the move because he's he's been and see the thing he's got the Florida landscape down because he was at South Florida so he's got familiarity with the coaches and probably some of the players because they start young nowadays getting relationships built then he was at Oregon the problem I have is I've had some Oregon fans and I get it because Florida State fans just crushed uh, Jimbo Fisher for the way he handled it I thought Willie Taggart handled it really well he was honest with his players he had a team meeting last Friday and apparently people were crying like there were tears shed Willie Taggart told his team he was listening to the offer. He said it, he told his team at Oregon, right. said Florida State was always his dream job. He, I mean, he basically was as honest as he could be with his players. Now the media, he was silent, but Oregon fans are mad at him saying, Hey, after one year, tell me one person that you know that if they got offered a raise at a better job, to move to a, sit- a place that's closer to their roots, they would turn it down. Nobody. Exactly. I don't know anybody. So where is that? Well, I, I don't get that crit- I understand the criticism, trust me. College fans are crazy about their programs. But I feel like that's unfair to bash Absolutely. Willie Taggart. It- Just the same way as I think it's unfair. Now, Jimbo Fisher, because Florida State fans have crushed him. They're mad at him for the way he left. I think he's in a similar situation I, the problem I had with Jimbo is I don't think he had that open and honest talk with his players. Right. Because even uh DeAndre Francois said, "Hey, no call, net, no text, coach. What's going on?" Would have been nice. I think he could have been open with his players, but those rumors start leaking. You're really in a no-win situation.
1: They look like two completely uh, different situations. There. It looked like Jimbo and someone somewhere in the organization. There was a rift of sorts. Like it just looked like that wasn't smooth sailing anymore in Tallahassee for one reason or another. The the Willie Taggart situation, I mean, it would have been one thing if he knew Jimbo would be leaving Florida State you know, they had a conversation a year ago. He still opted to take the Oregon job knowing he was going to bounce on them in a year, but it didn't take place like that. You know, That's not the way it went down. Well, He's-
2: the difference with Florida State and Jimbo Fisher is this wasn't the first time he had flirted with other programs. They, I mean, I think he was really close to going to LSU. I think he talked to Texas and I think Florida State fans had finally had enough that the trust was broken. Like, Hey, you got, you can use us to get a pay raise uh, this many times. But to call out our facilities or doing which he did at his opening press conference, Texas A and M. Which again, I think I was I was pleading for Florida State fans to handle this with class. Like, wish him well. Don't bash him on the way out. He brought us a national championship. It's it's all good. Like right. he, he got seventy five million dollar reasons seventy five million reasons to That's go to reasons. Good luck. Like wish him well. I think it's and I do think it'll work out best for both programs, especially you know Jimbo if he didn't want to be there and whatever relationship that was not there go ahead and leave um so I I do feel like that was the difference in Florida State fans are saying this isn't the first time it happened where Oregon fans Willie Taggart had never shown anything but commitment to Oregon until this opportunity popped up you know what this says to me what Miami is the preeminent team in South Florida we are now sitting atop
1: the college landscape oh here we go here we go (laughs) no
2: they're gonna be in a really good spot because the turnover chain is a great recruiting tool. Everybody thought it was the coolest thing. Uh, you know, so I, I agree. And they're, the success will kind of steamroll. You get that ball yeah. rolling and it becomes easier to get recruits when you can showcase your stadium. Cause they haven't been able to do that. They right. haven't, Cause there have only been one or two games a year against Florida State. You know, maybe another top 10 opponent where it's loud. They had Virginia Tech. They had Notre Dame. They had Never, game day there. Virginia. Like that's you to say, yeah, Hey, recruits,
1: stuff. check this out. You want to be a part of this. So it's going to be interesting because like that like, isn't it early commitment day or like now? Yeah, like December 20th. December there's the first
2: time ever there's an early, uh, signing day. Any
1: residual. You said people have been a play, uh, uh, applauding recruits, the, the hire of Willie Taggart, but I have to imagine they're going to be some of those kids that just the uncertainty of it with them and Florida well, as well. Well, people here's the be,
2: problem where it got kind of desperate is you had three. Decommitments commitments while Jimbo was flirting with Texas a and M and there was uncertainty. So it'll be interesting to see if Willie can get those guys back. Can he get them back on board in Tallahassee? So yeah, it's definitely an issue. I mean, this is a, it, the business is about talent
1: acquisition. I was a guy. I signed, uh, to play for Bob Brown, Brett Brown, who's now with the yeah. Philadelphia 76ers, his father at Boston University. And, you know, I really liked him. I really liked Boston University. And then there was a coaching change, uh, and Dennis Wolf came in. And so I was right in the middle of that where I was like, I was already committed. I didn't know I hadn't signed yet. Um, but I had signed. More so to play at BU and the guys that I made relationships with on my visit than I was there to actually play for Brown. So I I decided to stay. So hopefully Florida State gets kids that are more in love with the, the prospect of playing for Florida State.
2: You know what though? I tell people that all the time. If I because I'm sure you get asked all the time. Hey, I, I have a son or a daughter who's considering going. He's getting recruited. Right. What should I look for in a place? I tell everybody go play find a university you like find a situation yeah. like I kind of I don't I pick Florida State. Because of Mark Rick and Bobby Bowden. Like and I and I liked the school. I liked, you know, I liked it all right. There right. were pretty girls all over the place. But it really was about the relationship. Now, I did feel Bobby Bowden was going to be there four years. I did feel Mark Rick but Mark Rick could have left. There was an opportunity left. Right. So as much as I say that now as the advice that I would like to give to them, I don't know if that's the, I, I don't know if it's possible now. Yeah, because especially in football, the turnover at head coaches—like you can't. No, you there are can, only about three or maybe five programs. We can say the coach is absolutely going to be there, like Clemson, Bama, maybe Ohio State. Yeah, you know like you, there's, you, there aren't many programs. You, you have to hitch
1: your wagon to the to the to the environment to the school. Like you, you can't. Th- those are things that are going to be there. Yeah, to your point. And
2: um, I, now, what I tell people and the teammates. Like find a team. Like when you go there and meet as many players that are gonna be your teammates as you can, get the scoop from them, have them tell you what it's like playing there, what do they think of their Absolutely. coaches? That you know, that was
1: my favorite part about BU. That's why I signed. Yeah. Like the university was great, it's Boston, but like I don't love Boston anymore than I love Miami. I met some great dudes on my visit, like had relationships where I stayed in touch with them. You know what I mean? Like yes. it was just that's what I wanted to be <laughs> You know involved what
2: in. always happened too. And this was this was kind of it's funny now, but back it's kinda of scary. So Mark Richt was great. Love playing for him. Bobby Bellum was great at playing for him. There were other coaches on our staff. And when they recruit you, they're the nicest dudes oh. in the world. Like, man, this guy's awesome. And then yeah. you get on campus and you're like, hey, coach. And then you start talking to other players like, that guy's the worst. I right, hate right. that coach. And you're like, wait a second. What happened to that guy that was recruiting me that you just got to be careful because yeah, they, sure. they're selling something for sure. Uh, there was other news out of Florida State as Florida State's safety, Derwin James, incredible player, uh, decided to skip his bowl game uh florida state at six and six finally extended that bowl streak to 36 years in a row Yay. they're supposed to play in the independence bowl not a great bowl sorry right. sponsored by walk-ons shout out to walk-ons <laughs> uh big fans of walk-ons uh the the chain of uh, sports bars throughout the south right. good dudes um but you look at at derwin do you have any problem no. with him bailing on his teammates nope
1: none whatsoever Okay. And I don't see it as bailing on your teammates necessarily. For me, okay. personally, okay. Uh, yeah, he did. He's not playing in the game. Um, it is the Independence Bowl. We are six and six. We are not playing for a national championship. And I am slated to make. I don't know what the pay scale is in the NFL right now. A lot. A lot. Mm-hmm. All right. So what I'm not going to do, right? I've given what three, four years to the university. you redshirt junior right now. Yeah. Redshirt junior. So you've had four years. God bless you. I'm not rolling out there in one more and giving it one more opportunity to lose an ACL or an MCL or a, and any number of things that could happen. Look at Ryan Shazier over the week. I'm not I'm not doing that. If I'm this close to the finish line, which is that payday, I'm not risking it anymore.
2: All right. So here's last year, it started to happen last year. You had Leonard Fournette at LSU, skipped his game. You had Christian McCaffrey skip his game. I thought it was a little bit different because Leonard Fournette was banged up sure. he said he was getting healthy and prepping. Christian McCaffrey was like, peace out, Stanford am out of here. I was upset with it a little bit, but there is no way I can get on Derwin James and not get on Jimbo Fisher. All right. Sure. Because Jimbo Fisher just took the money and ran. He said, Hey, I got 75 mil. I'm bouncing. Derwin James, he's got an opportunity to make some money. He's saying, you know what? I'm bouncing. Here's the only question I have. Cause it could, I think it is, it could become an issue. It is, it's true. It's the independence bowl. It's kind of a trash bowl. A lot of them are. What is, what is to prevent you from skipping out on a playoff game? Would you do that if you had a millions of stake? Uh, uh
1: like a playoff basketball game no, or no, like no, no, a playoff no. football I'm game I'm
2: saying let's say um let's say Baker Mayfield yeah Baker i understand Mayfield what you're saying. saying hey I got I got a chance to make millions I'm just going to peace out right now
1: um n- n- yeah I mean that like that's what happens or you, you've what if you open Pandora's box right? right that's a slippery slope or
2: what happens if Derwin James would have said 6 games ago seasons trash we're out of the playoffs I'm bouncing
1: well this begs the bigger question right like of of compensation as it pertains to some of these athletes and making sure they're taken care of health wise afterwards. Like, you know, you leave a university, you know, with, with a, with a knee injury that's going to be chronically arthritic for the rest of your life and you get no support, right? That's on you, brother. You did it on our playing field, but God bless you. Good luck. You know? And so it begs the bigger question, but like, again, I'm that dude, like I played basketball. Like, and when I played, you didn't have to go to college. So if you have an opportunity to cash in on a life's life's long work, which is training to become a pro. When you get that opportunity, cash in on it. And if there's anything standing in between that that could potentially hurt you and you decide you don't want to risk that, I'm all right with it.
2: Yeah, I just I think it's a slippery slope. Because I'm okay with Darwin James. Like I, I congratulate him on Twitter. Hey, great career at FSU. I don't feel like he betrayed, I don't feel like he sold out his team. I don't feel like he's bailing on him. Right. I think it's a smart business move. But it worries me when we're setting a precedent of hey, we're okay with. Missing what your team is supposed to go through. Like, you're not finishing the season. Sure. But again, Jimbo didn't finish the season. Uh, so I, it's, it's a complicated issue. I think there are different scenarios. If Baker Mayfield, he would get crushed if he skipped the bowls, you know, cause he's, he's playing on. I think that's fair. I think you want to try to win championships. There is one other aspect that I, and I, and this is what I said to Christian McCaffrey and Lena Fournette last year. You're protected because of the insurance. Right. Like, and schools can pay for the insurance policies that protect you for Catastrophic injury and also for loss of value. If you got hurt and you dropped to the fourth round, they can make up the difference in some of that pay. Some of these policies. So what, is that a
1: conversation that I have to have or they they take that out on everybody that's a pro- projected first round pick?
2: They would, you'd have to have it, but at most schools, most power five schools, hundred percent will do it for you. Like it's just a, Hey, I'm projected like Sam Darnold. If he comes back next year, yeah. he'll, he'll have it first and he might have had it this year. I'm sure he probably did. Right. I had it my senior season at Florida State. Uh, and you know, guys get it. And mine actually, the school did not pay for it. But there's, in Letter Fournette, his school LSU didn't pay for it. His yeah. family paid for it. So there are there are ways to protect yourself.
1: Well, I bought a policy. Like the only policy I had was bridging the gap, um, between when I had my last minimum bill to when I started making uh money. Mm-hmm. And and it was a lockout year, and there was a you know the. Collect the bargaining agreement and all of that. And so I had to bridge that gap. I had to keep working out, but I had to also make sure that in that time I didn't get injured. So we went, I think it was Lords of London yeah. or something like that. You got yourself a policy. But um it's just It's it, a complicated know, it's, issue. It really is. And and like you would hope that these kids have some kind of, the Derwin James situation for me is a no brainer because they're not playing for anything. Right. Like that's easy, right? right? But
2: but really anything outside of a playoff game, they're not playing for anything. They're
1: not playing for anything. Technically. So, exactly. So I mean But like,
2: but I look back on it. I played an Orange Bowl. It wasn't for the national championship. It quote wasn't for anything. But I wanted to play in it because it was my last opportunity at Florida State. And I like your teammates are putting their body on the line. They're never going to get paid. Most of them aren't going to go to the NFL. What makes you better? Like, I, the, it's a very the, this, complex. The ten million dollars i about to make next year. <laughs> yes, you are 100 <laughs> right. It's a complicated issue, and there's there's no doubt. I agree with you. I wish they would change the NBA one and done. I'd say go ahead if you can make a living. I wouldn't be opposed if they let guys leave after two years in college football. Right. Like, I don't know why we prevent guys from making a living. I would rather do that than start paying college players. Right. Let them go make a living. All right. We tease it off the top. Let's get to another complicated issue. My guy, my former partner, Ryan Rossillo calling me out. Ryan, what's going on? All right, I teased this off the top of the show. My guy, Ryan Russillo, <laughs> Like apparently he's running for mayor of Tuscaloosa, maybe the next commissioner of the SEC. Do you have the sound there, Debo? You have it handy of Ryan, what he said, just so we can You replay. want the long
3: or short version? <laughs>
2: Let's do the short version. List notes. Let's do the short version
0: the most biased voice in college football.
2: All right. So that, that would kind of hurt a little bit down deep. Do you feel any regret for going there?
0: No, right.
2: I don't. All right. So let me, let I me don't. explain myself. And this is where I was bummed. Cause I think we had some really good conversations the last couple of years. I was telling Raj. I'm like, you might just want to sit this one out the way Van Pelt told, you know, said, Hey, you guys go ahead and just go at it. I will say this. I am biased for two things. One, I am biased against the system. I and you know this better than anybody. I can't stand I the way yeah. that we select uh that we select our the the process that we go that we go through. I cannot stand the way we do it. And you know what else I'm biased for and I think everybody else is? I'm biased to wanting to be right. Like th- in all of it. Like if I pick a team or if I have a certain belief, I want to be proved right. Like that's I don't think it, and this was a worst case scenario for me because it was Alabama that was in the discussion, because I've been pegged as this anti-Alabama fan, even though I've, I've only picked against them a handful of times, and a lot of those times I've been right about it, but I felt like it was a no-win situation for me, because I was up there last year saying Penn State should be in over Ohio State, because they won the conference, and I felt like there was a double standard there. Do you agree with me?
0: That last part especially, um, you were consistent on that, you were a conference champion, guy uh and, and you've always been that way since we first started working together before we were doing the show together so you have been consistent with that and my whole point that i, that I feel like if you just went if you did this out over 10 20 years let's say there would be years where you'd be rewarding a conference chance more for people that push for the eight and make sure that all are in there as if it's the worst thing ever somebody's left out like i feel like the more we do this if it were to be consistently four teams you're going to have a conference camp in there where you go, like, I, you know, I don't think this team should automatically be in there. And that's more based on the eight and that kind of stuff. But I've paid attention to everything you've said all year. And I thought the, the Mississippi State one, that one bumped me out.
2: It, like, actually pissed me off. because
0: Wait, which one anti- are you talking
2: about? State, What's that? Which one are you talking about? I don't know. About Mississippi uh, State.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll set it up here. Okay. You were anti-Mississippi State almost every time the rankings came out. Like, you would freak out because they'd be like 16th or something. And I go, okay, you know, that's fine. And as you and I both know, when you do top 25 teams late in the season, you basically run out of teams. And then you start trying to find, like, do I have anything in these last seven or eight teams that resemble anything that, like, could be competitive? And Mississippi State with the win against LSU, and yes, when they go on the road, they'd be a completely different team. But yet when they were at home, like, I don't know that many teams could compete with Bama ever, okay, like, like Mississippi State did. So then when they play Ole Miss and Nick Fitzgerald's leg breaks in half, and they lose to Ole Miss, you're tweeting out like, yeah, I was right about Mississippi State not being that good because they lose to, what, a 6-6 and Ole Miss team? And I thought, like, that was confirmation, bias. Like, you wanted to be right because you're right. We all root for being correct on this stuff. But you were using a kid breaking his ankle, who's their most important player in the game, as confirmation that Mississippi State was a fraud all season long. And I don't think you ever tweeted about Michigan State Like, why is Penn State given the benefit of that? Why was Penn State up until, what, the second-to-last rankings ranked in the top ten? Like, they didn't beat anybody. And I think that your venom is so much harder, or however you want to frame it, like you're so much
2: nastier towards an SEC team
0: that could be perceived as a little bit more overrated than teams from any other conference.
2: I was, Penn State fans hate me. They forgot very quickly that I punched, uh, put, because You're this season, our, 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 our team, producer, our producer is a Penn State guy and he was mad at me earlier because I thought Saquon Barkley was overrated. I thought they were overrated when they were in the top five. So I feel like I've been fair there. I do feel like I go over the top at the SEC to try to, try to balance it out. I'm glad you brought up Mississippi State. Full disclosure. I was not watching the game when it unfolded. I just saw the score. I was traveling. Oh. So which is messed up for me to go there and I should have put out a tweet. That makes way more sense. And I, I should No, but I should have put out a tweet confirming that but I'm like, "You know what? It's all in now. Just go." Like I didn't it was I did not see it unfold. And I like Nick Fitzgerald, he was tweeting at me that week. Like he actually said something to me. And so I was just talking trash like I did not see the game unfold. I didn't see how bad his injury was. Uh it was just one of those unfortunate circumstances. But Here's where, and this is where it gets deeper into the, like, the fact that, like, I get accused of having an anti-SEC shtick, like, I created it, that bothers me. And that's what Herb Street said about me, and that pissed me off, because I think it's always about a passion for, you know what, let's try to balance the power of college football a little bit more, and look at things a little bit differently, because I do feel there are very, powerful voices on the biggest brand out there, which is ESPN. And this isn't an anti ESPN because I got fired bias. I just feel like it's very real. Like for instance, when Ole Miss and Mississippi state got into the top five sports center sent shows to Oxford and Starkville and praised them and said, this is unbelievable, unbelievably great for college football this year. When Washington and Washington state are in the top 10 and they're having great starts to their season, they're on TV mocking their schedule with cupcakes. Like why, why wasn't there the same level of appreciation? They're saying, oh, it's, it's, you know, these teams aren't for real. Like why, why is there, there's a very real double standard for whatever reason. And I get it. If you're at ESPN and you have the SEC network, it does make sense and you're going to get a lot of airtime for the SEC.
0: Okay. But I just don't think, and I think you would know this working here that. There wasn't this memo that went out, man. There Agreed. wasn't this memo. Like the argument you and I used to always have about the SEC is that when another conference went seven in a row with four different teams like they did, we would then talk about that conference all the time. We would freak out about the ACC. If the Big Ten did it, we would freak out about the Big Ten. And you would try to tell me that there wasn't that much of a gap. Now, the funny thing is, now that we don't work together, I agree with you there's not that much of a gap argument. But because there isn't that much of a, argument, uh, a gap today between the conferences doesn't mean that I think you were right back then in 2013 and 14, and then you had that great SEC West bowl season, and it was like you were doing a victory lap, and you should have been, because you've been banging that the whole time, but I don't think that really proved anything. I don't know if the SEC is still the best, because they have two teams in the playoff. There's no way it's even close to as deep as when Arkansas was 7-6 and and in the last place in the SEC West. But when you, when I think with fan bases, and you know this from your Florida State fan base, like the year after they won the title, they thought F- ESPN was out to get them so much. Like the Rolling Stone wrote an article about it. It was an awful article. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. People were creating these things. The reason we didn't go to to a Washington Washington State deal like we did Mississippi and Mississippi State, and granted, you know, later in the season, like it's a budget thing. We're not traveling anywhere now. Like we just aren't. We aren't doing Sports center. If you look out there, SportsCenter isn't on the road now as much as it was before. So we were going on the road all the time. And now we aren't. So is it because we decided in the back room that we don't like the Pac-12 and we want to bump up the SEC because we have the SEC network? Well, no. It's because Sports center isn't on the road now. And as much as, you know, you want to be the right guy for the country, there's times I'm like, man, thank God Texas isn't great. Because if Texas was great, we'd all be told we were pro-Texas all the time because we have a longhorn network. And since we've launched that, they haven't been as good. And so nobody ever brings up any of that stuff. We are biased towards the program – that we buy into based on prior success. The same way the AP poll, when it comes out, the preseason top 10, is who's back at quarterback and who we think is good. And we've done it with Texas. We've done it with Florida State. We do it with Ohio State all the time. So when you call it a TV invitational, like I got to admit, I laugh because I go, it's not like we left out UCS here. We left out Ohio State. And I mean we, meaning the committee, which I right. probably get crushed for, like, some Freudian slip that somehow we're all involved. Like, Dan, I don't think it's that sinister. This stuff isn't that sinister. And they left out a two-loss Ohio State team instead of Alabama. This isn't some massive conspiracy. So, you do- let me ask you, Ryan, you guys
1: got a lot going on, you and Danny, and I'm not, I'm gonna sit back and chill for a minute, but it, do you believe that they got it is right? Is it weird
0: to not be in the fight, Roger? It, it is weird, yes. It's a refreshing, actually.
1: Um, but do you feel like they ultimately got it right this year? Like we've got the top four teams in?
0: I do think we have it right. And then when somebody comes back and he's saying, oh, that's just because of Bama, Bamba, Bamba, which I think Danny would say to me, is that, hey, if if Ohio State had one loss and didn't lose to Iowa, I would reward them for scheduling Oklahoma and winning the Big Ten Championship. And again, the Big Ten may be the best. Maybe, if, I thought the Big 12 was maybe the best conference. I think the Pac 12 is still over, uh, underlooked, or overlooked, excuse me, how I should say it's early for me. I still think they're completely overlooked because I think there's quality depth in that conference that maybe other conferences don't have. But I just think they have a better. And if you want to tell me, like, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> they're not as good at linebacker. They still they still gave up the fewest points. If you want to tell me their schedule, okay. But I don't have a problem with on the committee going, you know what, I just think Bama's good. If you're an Ohio State, not even fan. If, like Jesse Palmer said, I just think Ohio State's better. I, have of I go, okay, we don't have an argument. If you think they're better, that's fine. I don't think they're better. And I think Ohio State's second loss to Iowa is inexcusable in, in, in the comparison here with another team. And that's the other thing is that every year – It's a different scenario. Every year is a different scenario. So you can't sit there and say, well, you know, you did this three years ago, so now you have to do it this year. Well, what else am I comparing this to? And the other irony with Ohio State here is that if an Ohio State fan is saying it should be strength of schedule, it should be conference championships, then what you're really saying is that USC should be in. Because USC's gap on their strength of schedule compared to Ohio State and Alabama is greater than Ohio State and Alabama's strength of schedule gap.
2: So here's my – I don't like – it's like I think – because I, I don't know if you saw it because I'm sure you only get tweeted into your timeline certain things that I say. But like kind of to cap it all off on Sunday because I went off and I get it. Twitter is not the best avenue and I come across like a prick on there <laughs> oftentimes. I totally understand that. I keep
0: that, trying to tell people. But,
2: yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. yeah. Make sure you spread that across <laughs> the south. But I tweeted out after it was all said and done. I said, look, I think Bama's probably better than Ohio State too – but nobody and i think the past 3 years 4 years of the of the playoff have have kind of proven this out i don't think we can go by who we think is better cuz we're always going to be wrong probably about one team maybe even two like we can go with that and i'm okay but that's the problem i have with the system so to try to eliminate that why not make conference champs be a part of the equation because i do feel like yeah we might be right and and we could be but there's a chance we're wrong and to tr- and to screw over Two conferences, who, I'm with you, like on the Pac-12, this is, so the lies, cause I know you were, you know, in, in me and Klatt, and I, I didn't follow everything he said, but you know, for me saying the committee's lying to you, I think they do lie when they say conference championships matter, because this is two years in a row they've had teams in there that haven't been their conference champion. When they have the regular season say it matters, and Ohio State loses to Penn State, and they take in Penn State over them, they're lying to you, like there are, and, and that not, in a sinister way, I get, and it's created that way for a purpose, so they can spin it any way they want to. But I just, I have a problem with that.
0: Do you guys ever lie to your kids, but it's not like really nasty? <laughs> well, yeah, there's kids. Santa, there's the Easter
2: Bunny, we just lost a tooth. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, it happens
0: all the time. We <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I think that's what the committee does with us. I, I think they just, I wouldn't call it lying,
2: you know? Right. Like, well, that, I mean, like, that that comes across – that law. makes your point a lot more strong if you say they're lying.
0: <laughs> yeah. That, you know, like, the class tweet, it was, like, the three-pronged thing. And the thing is, like, everybody thinks I don't like Klatt now. And I'm like, I really I hate No, I'm now, more offended
2: they don't think I, you like me. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I,
0: I know. I did. I was, I was you know, like, everybody's going to think I hate him after I do the dream. But, like, I was sitting at home on Sunday and I go, Okay, they got in. And then I just see the barrage all the day. Like when I watched the Big Ten Championship game, I was like, Man, you guys hate the idea. You can just feel it in the broadcast. Was like you guys aren't even like suggesting Alabama's deserving of this. And collapse like first two points on that tweet where I was like, Okay, yeah, I agree with that. I'm like, okay, I can see how you come to that. And I'm like, Whoa, the committee's liars. We talked to Jeff Long. We did the Kirby interview every week. Like I'm lucky enough to be one of the few people in the country that's talked to the committee chair every week after the rankings for all four years. of this season. And the one consistent thing that I can tell everybody is that they are vague on purpose and it isn't a lie. It's just they, they're going to go like, think about the idea that they don't look at any conferences. That's impossible for 13 human beings to not think one conference is better than the other one, but they don't say that they favor any conferences or do any like, Hey, this conference is a little tougher than that one because they don't want to answer it that way. So then we have follow-ups. being like, well, what's your conference ranking? So I think the strategy is always to avoid all this stuff. So when they say, okay, conference championships matter, people are going to just relax on that whole thing. If they deem the two teams equal, they will then use it as some kind of tiebreaker. But we don't know how close or what, what teams have to be to be equal. And when they say, yeah, we know we think that group five through eight is close, they almost do that every single week with all their groupings. Right. They never go like, oh, six, and then after six, seven is not even close to these guys. They don't do that. They do it to – it's all strategy. So to accuse them of being liars because they said this group is close and this team won a conference championship, and that, that means this whole time it's been some fraudulent deal. Like I can't get – I can't understand why people don't get the first and like strongest headline points. They put in a one-loss Alabama over a two-loss Ohio State with a really bad loss. what would have been the worst loss of any team in the four years of the playoff. I don't think it's that hard to figure out what they did. So with of being liars, I would tell you you're not listening close enough to how they are strategically vague every week they interact with the media.
2: And that's, again, that's my biggest problem with the system. Like that's the flaw that I don't like that's there. Raja, you got in the NBA stuff. I I would rather, like, like, no, 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 but like, I would either want two, one of two things. I think they're pretty simple. Like, you know, and I know he's got like ad nauseum, like, oh, here we go again, but I would love to see eight teams because I do think, and I know you think I'm being sarcastic about this, but I think UCF could play and we'll get our chance with Auburn. They might get run, but they're. They're really good. And I covered them in person. Their defensive front is really solid. Their quarterback reminds me of Baker Mayfield. They're a really good team, and I, I would love to see them have a chance. An eight versus one, and who cares if they get run out? Like I would love to see that opportunity to have a kind of Cinderella story. So my ultimate would be five conference champs and three wild cards. But a simple solution is to change the criteria and say let's pick the four be- best conference champions, you know. And then you, and then if there is a a, t- a conference that looks awful, and you say, you know what. You know, who cares if they had three losses, we just keep them out. Because I, and I, you know this, I did not want it to be two AC teams. Last year I didn't want it to be two Big Ten teams. I, it has nothing to do with... I just don't want to see two teams from the same conference because I feel like there is football that's really good that's played across the country that there should be a representative. Like, imagine if the Pac-12 only played eight conference games and they notched a, a cupcake in their schedule and so you bump up every one of their records by one game in the win column. We would look at the Pac-12 completely differently.
0: Yeah, and the Pac-12 was the one that was really on that ninth thing and then everybody would laugh about the Pac-12. So, and it's, it's killed so that them. I, I think a couple of years ago, I think, of the season, I was like, it going to be the best I just would look through like the South one year. I'm going, every team there is not an easy team. It's not an out. Oh, and then the losses pile up. You know, look at USC. I mean, they're scheduling what it is because of the rivalry. And then you're like, Oh, we're going to throw in Texas. And then like another decent non power five team. Like, you know, there's no point in even doing it anymore. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any inside to it. Now, when I look at it as just before, in your conference championship, and more often than not, you would be right. But I feel like, look, if there's a chance to play for the national championship, you can't screw around with it. And that's that was my anti-Iowa argument. It would have been my anti-Wisconsin argument here. But the they got 13-0 and 0 and beat Ohio State, who I still think is pretty inconsistent, um, you know, I would have said, look, you are going to put Wisconsin in there. They're 15-0, and maybe the big two is the best conference. And, I, you know, like we said numerous times already, I don't know that I have a real separation at the top of who the best conferences even are. I mean, we went in the year maybe thinking it was the ACC, and I haven't even brought them up once year. So, you know, the UCF thing I hate because I think you have to replace somebody that feels like a big boy, even though, you know, I understand that Memphis is right like most of the season. Um uh, you know, eight would make everybody happier. But until we have eight, I don't think it should be about hurt feelings. And that's why I thought what the committee did was kind of impressive, that they didn't go, hey, let's just make sure we don't leave out the Big Ten. Let's make sure we don't get a bunch of hate calls from June Delaney. Like <laughs> we are—we said at the beginning, it's the four best teams. And we're going to go with the four best teams despite how this whole thing looks. So despite all the criticism of the committee, I think what the committee did But was- I thought
2: they already did that but- last year. Yeah, but Penn State had
0: the extra up. Like I don't want to see where we keep losing track of the fact that these like Penn State fans keep freaking out. They're like you lost to Pitt, and, and you lost forty nine ten to Michigan. And yeah, I know you beat Ohio State, but they beat Oklahoma, and they had one, you know, like you know, close loss here. So I guess yeah, I devalue the conference championships, even though I feel like we should still celebrate the fact that these teams have won them. Like they should feel good about them. But I, I don't know. I, I thought if this is a four by team. I don't have a problem with the system. You've had a problem with me past times and I will give you credit for being consistent on that. I guess my whole point, I ran. Yeah, I think you have a bigger problem with certain schools.
1: <laughs> hey, I need to switch gears so I can at least get <laughs> in the conversation. Yeah, there we go. Ryan, uh, look, I'm watching Golden State, and I'm wondering just what what oh, is. Oh, this
0: is such a transition. Yeah, right? it's yeah, true. yeah, I gotta, I gotta get out of that. <laughs> what
1: What do you imagine is going on there? Right, like I haven't seen a championship team. A team with with that level of like uh, accomplishment bug out so early in the season in terms of like ejections and just out of character type of stuff going on there is there something deeper or is this just a team that's that's bored?
0: Um, you know, I think there are certain teams, Roger. You know, like a complaining team that that love to complain, and then it also it almost becomes like uh, it, it, it's a, like it, I don't call it a disease, but it's just contagious. And Little State's one of those. The Clippers have been forever. As much as I love Doc, like they complained like crazy when Chris there. They complained all the time. But watching this year, I think Gold State's gone through a couple phases of absolute boredom. Still, with a great record. Bad defensively in the beginning, Um, and then this turn it on thing where we go, okay, this is a joke. How good we are. And I, I just feel like it's the it's the third, kind of fourth year of this. You know, when you're talking about the finals fourth year second with Durant, the that there's a there's a I just feel like they're kind of annoyed by the process of the 80 games to go through what they think is going to be another run of the title I, that that's really all I see I, like I don't think it's a really alerting thing I know Kerr said you know everyone needs to do a better job and they need to stop playing mean this is on them I mean Jarnet has moments where he decides
2: All right, man, we got to let you run, get to work. I appreciate you coming on. I I, I used a lot of restraint because I wanted to go with some snarky sarcasm <laughs> stuff. And I was like, I don't know. We haven't caught up. You, you used know. restraint? I did. No, imagine? I did. You want to let me have it? No, 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 no. It'll no. Cool on better. Twitter. On Twitter, Twitter. On Twitter, I, I there was, oh, was Twitter? there were some places I wanted to go. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to go there. So I did. All right, man. Appreciate you coming hey. on. All right. That was fun. My old guy, Ryan Rosillo. always good conversation with him. A little bit heated, but not too bad. It's kind of, we can respect each other when it's all said and done. Alright, so let's get on with it. Uh, LeVar Ball, your guy. I, I gotta separate <laughs> My myself as far as I can. You are much more comfortable with some of his actions than I am. Right. And I, this is yet another one where it, this disturbs me somewhat. So LeVar Ball is making the rounds. Now first it started off ESPN and FS1. They all loved him because he was a ratings guy. Now he's gone beyond just the sports channels. He's on CNN. He's on yes. the Today Show. Last night I saw him in Access Hollywood. I love it. Are you kidding me? I love he's it. on there talking about his son, Leangelo, who as we all know was arrested in China and comes back, gets suspended indefinitely from UCLA. It's only been a month, maybe like not even a month. And LeVar Ball says, you know what? I'm going to. Pull them out of school. I'm pulling them out to get them ready for the NBA draft. Here's LeVar Ball talking about it.
0: The goal has always been to, to, you know, for my boys to play in the NBA. It's always been that. So that's our main focus. We're going to do whatever it takes to get there. If you're trying to be the smartest kid in the room, that would hurt you if you don't go to UCLA. But if you're trying to be the best ball player ever, how much education do you really need?
2: So, this is, I have a problem with this on so many different levels. Your thoughts on LeVar Ball pulling LeAngelo Ball from UCLA?
1: I don't love the quote. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be honest. I don't love that, like, if you're trying to be the smartest kid in the room and how much education do you really need. Like, I don't love that, admittedly. Um I don't have a problem with him pulling LeAngelo Ball from UCLA, though. He was pretty upfront from the beginning that LeAngelo was one and done at UCLA. That was, what they said they were going to do, they wanted to follow the model of of um, Lonzo, and so in light of the indefinite suspension, I never, I, I believe it was always indefinite, right? Yeah. There was never yeah, a they never gave a finality over. to it. Well, then I can't leave you at UCLA because there's no platform there for you to. To, to entice these scouts into taking you in the first round or second round or even taking a flyer on you as a, as an undrafted free agent. So, you know, that's pretty consistent, right? One and done. We're going to try to go to the NBA. That platform's been taken away from me. Admittedly, you know, it was the kid's fault. It had nothing to do with UCLA, but it makes no sense for him to stay at UCLA at that point. So when you boil it down to just that, I've got no beef with him pulling Liangelo Ball.
2: All right, here's the problem I have. It. I thought there were several comments where they downplayed what happened to China. Like, I don't think he's held his held his son accountable at all Agreed, for 100%. stealing something. Yes. And then even LiAngelo was like, well, they were doing it, so I just grabbed up. Right, them. kids are yeah. going to be kids. Right. No, 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 no. You're, you're 20. It's you, Louis no. damn Vuitton, right. and you're not
1: stealing blow pops. Right, exactly.
2: Right. You're stealing real stuff. And I would even
1: whoop my son's ass for stealing blow pops. I,
2: I would have been more impressed if LeVar Ball would have pulled him when he got back from China and said, I'm going to handle this myself. Right. I don't, he's not ready for the experience. Here's the problem I have with it. You and I were joking off the top of the show about, you know, parents that brag about their parents, but he obviously is the, the top of the spectrum on that sure. chart. You know why I don't like it? Cause the percentage, the chance that you get to the actual NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball are slim and none. Yes. You and I were very lucky and I look back on it and say I was very fortunate and there was a lot of luck involved. I was very mm-hmm. blessed and had the opportunity. Things fell in place perfectly where it came in uh, for both of us. What message is he sending to his son? If he's putting that as the ultimate pedestal, like this is the goal. And by all accounts, D'Angelo Ball is not Lonzo. I don't even think he's as good as the little well, one, Lamello. Yeah. He's probably not he was a three-star recruit. He was ranked 226th nationally according to 247 Sports. He's not gonna be in the NBA. Right. So um, what now? Like that's that's where I like I don't have a problem if your goal is to get there. But and this is where I was very grateful, and I'm sure you probably had a similar message. My parents always preach to me. If it doesn't work out, you better be ready for a backup plan. Like yeah. there was always get your education. If for whatever reason, if you got hurt, if you weren't good enough, you better have something back to fall back on. There is no. This is all in, which is a scary proposition unless you're just building the next Kardashians, which maybe he
1: is. So that that's exactly where I was going with that. Like <laughs> he, you know, I liken him to. Is it Chris? Is that the mom of the Kardashians? Yes, Chris Jenner. Like, this this is its own thing now. It's its own brand. It's it's he's on everything. So. Reality TV wise, reality like entertainment wise, they, like these kids, yeah, sure, they should go get an education. But do any of the damn Kardashians have more than no. a high school education? I don't know. Yeah. Like, and so they're not very smart, right? So, like, <laughs> this is, you know, this is the landscape that they're operating in. Like, you, my parents did preach the same message, but they weren't carving out like a a, a media empire, and you know, <laughs> they weren't doing that. He is doing this. He's on everything. He hasn't spent a dollar on the damn marketing, and he's he's the talk of pretty much probably any. Uh, uh, sports talk thing that you could tune into this morning. So I do agree that the message is bad. Um, but, but that's preference. Like do you
2: that, feel bad at all for Liangelo because he's setting him up saying my boys are going to play in the Lakers. I, he's going to be, we're prepping him for the NBA draft. Do you feel bad at the pressure he's putting on Liangelo or do you think Liangelo knows the deal?
1: I think those kids have been raised in that environment to where they're callous to that at this point. I, I do feel bad that. You know, some of them are better than others and Liangelo might be the one who has the least amount of, like, talent and the least, uh, potential to play somewhere. But I think that he could play in Europe somewhere and there's substantial money to be made in Europe. He ain't going
2: to Europe, man. He's not, there's no way he's sending his kid to Europe. He's going to have him just be a ball, like be be
1: a baller. In that space, I feel really bad for Liangelo. If, if your job is going to be to flame out of college, um, to not go play overseas and just to be like uh, a hanger on, be a, a, a Kardashian, like, I feel bad for LiAngelo because there's some talent there. There's a, there's some talent.
2: You know who I think is such a fan of this move? Steve Alford, <laughs> head coach at UCLA. Like, he's probably like, thank God good I got riddance. rid of that headache. Yeah. Like, seriously, he probably is. And he was very complimentary of, of LeVar when Lonzo was at UCLA. Yeah. But I think it's gotten too big. I'm sure Steve Alford is like, thank goodness. Like, I don't think he was a player that was going to contribute that much. And he's like, thank good I don't have to deal with this anymore. Does LaMelo wind up going? Because he committed like two years ago to UCLA. And now he's out of high school. Yeah. I don't think he does because I think there's too much money to be made outside of it. And they're making money off their Facebook show. They're making money off the big baller brand. Yeah. I don't think Mellow makes the NBA either. Do you? You, no, you, you know more about no, the high school no, I scene than love, I. I it's out, so rare to see a guy like Lonzo, and I get it your dad was gonna make and create all these NBA superstars, but it just doesn't happen.
1: No, I thought, like, Lonzo, I always maintained that Lonzo I thought was the, the best and had the best chance to play in the NBA, and you're even seeing now, like, I think he'll wind up being a better player, but he's not like a dominant NBA player. Yeah. You know what I mean? LaMelo is, LaMelo's cool for like these mixtapes and, and, you know, the, the, the the NBA, like that the basketball culture now this AAU culture he's a cool follow a cool story but he's not an NBA player.
3: Uh, it's like the seventh recruit in that 2019 class. Lamelo well, Ball rated very high like a five yeah, star, star. Yeah, rate these. Yeah, but no, but it'll be.
2: But he definitely there was it was consensus that Leangelo was the worst one. The middle yeah. child was the worst, yeah. and then I mean. Uh, Melo has made a lot more headlines. He dropped 92 in the game last year, which is really that game is what's crazy about all this. Judy, when cherry, he 50 points. but that game's what put this family on the map. Which it wasn't Lonzo playing at UCLA. That game got so many headlines, and that's really when you look back at it, that was the inception point. Like that's when the craziness started, and and now here we are start talking about him being you know this crazy brand.
1: I just, I do feel bad for the kid, Leangelo. I feel bad that he's in all of this. He made a terrible mistake, like terrible mistake. The dad should, if you want to help the kid, have him own that, like, yeah. have him take some responsibility for his actions. But pulling him from UCLA, um, in and of itself, I I don't have a major beef with. Because, yeah, I don't have, if it's a bad fit, if yeah. he
2: wasn't going to play and you didn't have a suspension, I don't have a problem right. with that either. I just think it's a mistake the way he's handling his Agreed. kids. Agreed. Uh, it's Wednesday. We didn't have Monday Night Football to react to. It's been a slow news, but there was news yesterday from the NFL. Because it was suspension day. That's when you get the letter in your uh, locker. Uh, uh, says what happened uh, to you. Uh, uh, your boy Gronk, who we yeah. talked about on Monday's podcast, they come down with a one-game suspension for his hit on Sunday yeah. in the game. There also was a suspension doled out between Juju Smith-Schuster and George Ioka. Uh, Smith-Schuster was the had the hit on Vontez Burfict, then taunted him. Uh, Ioka, Ioka, or Ioka. Is it just kind of how you say it? Debo's over there looking at me like, I don't know just either. either. Just say, it, say it fast. Say it with confidence and say it with fast. Ioka uh, had his hit on Antonio Brown. He was suspended a game. Yeah. I have a problem with all of it because I think Gronk should have gotten two games. His hit, and granted, they're both hits to the head, whatever you want to call it. His hit was premeditated. It was intentional. It, was, desi- it was designed to injure something. Yeah. He had intent. There's no way Gronk should have gotten off of the one game suspension.
1: Yeah, I, I was glad that they suspended, but I do think there were degrees of suspensions warranted there because Gronks was, was post play. Mm -hmm. Like that the play was over, you got up and, and to your point, premeditated, I'm going to spear him in the back of the head. The other ones are like, you could say that's no, no hit to the head, but like Juju Smith Schuster was, was trying to block Montez. Right. And it
2: was more that his probably, his probably shouldn't have been a suspension, but he taunted him. But like when, since when are we setting that standard? But bro, Like, like,
1: when like you see it at the youth level, you lay somebody out. Like there's a level of of Yeah, of, you
2: want to do it. Of know, yeah, course. Yeah, now, yeah, you want to look. Flag throw a
1: flag. You know, right. if you want to find him, fine. I don't right. I don't agree with the suspension. But if you decided to, I'll be I'll be cool with that. But then that means you have to up the suspension on one that that's at I just feel like there are two separate issues. One is an in-game. A shot in the, in the field of play. Um, the other one is a premeditated after the play type of situation. And I think they're two different degrees and they warrant two different degrees of, of, uh, the NFL. Penalties. There's
2: too much ambiguity on all their suspensions. The punishment they do out, whether it's off the field or on the field, there's just too much. There's not enough clarity. There's, uh, no consistency. Uh, it, when I look at it, I just see, I, I don't love that coming out of it. When you were, did you watch the game Monday night? Well, um, you got busy well, I watched kids. some of it. Yeah. So I was actually watching it. My wife was sitting with me, which is something that never happens. Like we would just happen to be sitting on the couch and we were watching when Ryan Shazier yeah. got hit. Yep. And my wife was like, oh, my gosh, she's sitting here watching it. You know, how's he going to be? Is he going to be OK? And I kept telling her, I'm like, he'll be fine. They're really precautious. And hopefully he will be fine. He's still in the hospital. Um But I was kind of amazed at the conversation following that game because there was a it was a lot of hits. You had Shazier, who was down for extended period of time. Yeah. Everybody on Twitter was talking about it, and it became this conversation and indictment on football. Like, how could anybody play this game? You, as a father, and this was one of the first things you asked me, was about football and your kids playing. What did you think while you saw that going down? It was
1: really scary. It it was scary, and you know, my wife was there. Um, my I had to talk to my mom yesterday, and they're you know they're almost in tears over it. Um, my wife was too. Yeah, it's it's. Like I feel terrible, like my, you know, Ryan Shazier, I've met him, my son, my son, my five year old has alopecia, and Ryan Shazier has alopecia, and we happened to be in Cleveland, he was at a Cleveland game, so he was nice enough to meet my son and talk to him, and so, you know, I've met him and know him a little bit, like I, I felt, I felt terrible, like, you know, all prayers out to his family and so on and so forth. I, in every sport, um, there's potential to get injured, right? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously in football, um, to a higher degree than basketball, and it really, I'm in a place right now where, you know, I'm making some decisions on that. Yeah, like I, I, I am. Like my son, who's a quarterback, um, is a good quarterback, but but he really likes to hit. Like yeah. that's what he likes to do, and he plays linebacker. And you know, my dad spends infinite like amount of time telling this kid to keep his head up, like keep it out of the play, like tackle with your shoulder, wrap up. But you know, kids are kids. They want to hit something. They're watching TV, and so I'm at a point now where I got to make a decision on it.
2: It's uh, and it, it it was all the talk. I think football and I've been very defensive of football saying, "Hey, it's, there's no doubt it's a violent sport. I feel personally like it's under attack. Like people do not want to see football continue, right. like I think it wants to be people want to ban it, and a lot of it's because of CTE. A lot of it's because I think there is sort of a war on masculinity. I think people don't like that.. Yep. Um, when I was watching it go down, I have a question for you. When Gordon Hayward snapped his ankle? And was disgusting, did yep. you think about not having your kids nope, play basketball? I did not you know but, I think it but it, and that so, was, it is scarier when there's neck and back yeah issues. this is this is the
1: this is you know what went through my head at the time, and I'm with you on that that's what I've always said to my wife, even soccer I'm like Cindy, do you see some of the the catastrophic like injuries that some of these people have to their knees and ankles and stuff playing soccer there's a inherent risk when you play any sport, but I pictured myself like running out onto the field to my son, Mm -hmm. right? And having him look at me and tell me that he couldn't feel his legs. Yeah. And when that went through my mind, I was like, right, you have to really – got to think about this a little bit more. Because I've always just been, matter of fact, like, no, dude, like, they're fine. Let's go. Let's play. Right. You know, football. And – I'm being honest with you, bro. Last, last no, you should be. And two I nights ago, you I was Absolutely. like, hey, bro, this is –
0: uh
2: And everybody – like, full. my dad would not let me play football until I was 16 because yep. he wanted my body and bones to develop. And I think even still looking back on it, he probably wishes he didn't let me play. Right. I think he wishes I would have played baseball. There's just – I think it's every parent's decision. I think every parent has to come that – they should have that conversation. But I would just say, like, there's – everything in life involves risk, right? And you have to weigh that risk. You have to do everything you can to protect – Every and look, I have children. I get it. You want to protect your children, but at some point, you've got to say, "All right, I'm willing to accept some level of risk." Sure. And Is that risk too great for football? I don't think it is, but some people might, and you might, and I'm okay with that. I would never criticize you no. for saying you don't want your kids to play football.
1: Where I'm at with it is like just take them off the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> well, that
2: my dad said <laughs> yeah. I could play quarterback. Yeah, well, that's you know, I was where I'm not at with. Playing, D. I was not playing defense. Uh, I was allowed to punt and kick as well, but yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't allowed to play any other position. Right. Like my dad said, you can only play quarterback. That's where I'm at with this kid. Right. So everybody become quarterbacks. (laughs) Good luck. All right. Let's have some fun because, uh, can you, I need some help more pronunciation issues. Debo, what are we dealing with with the, the Japanese Babe Ruth is what I'll call him.
3: That, that's easier, but Shohei Otani.
2: Shohei. Okay. So he is the Japanese Babe Ruth. He's been considering playing baseball in the major league baseball has been surveying markets he doesn't now who would you think somebody would want to play for oh dude up the Sox, yeah the yanks yeah I like some that. of those yeah. he doesn't want to play for any of the most epic franchises like, nope. in the major league in mlb he wants to go to a smaller market team some people say in seattle uh san francisco somewhere in the west. he likes Coast. boutique hotels i guess i guess i guess so yeah. i don't know uh what the reasoning is there <laughs> uh hopefully we'll find out soon but it had me thinking about kind of cities that you're dealing with. Yeah. I think he's crazy to pass over pass over the Yankees or the Red Sox because they, well, they have a ton of money. But also the fan bases there are nuts. So every Wednesday, we want to do a top five, right? We did two through five because we didn't need a number one in the NBA last right. week. I want to do who you view as the top five most passionate fan bases in all That's of sports, tough. anywhere, college, yeah. NBA, NFL.
1: You name it. Oh, yeah, that's tough. That, there are a lot of fans. And I had all of about 10 minutes to get this done. So <laughs> all forgive right. me. But so who do you got? Number five, I went with Kentucky men's basketball.
2: Ooh. Yeah,
1: played there as a freshman in Rupp Arena when I was at Boston University. And yeah. It was just, it was unbelievable. Like, it was crazy. And those tickets are like generational. Like, yeah. you're, you you, can't buy them. Same with my number four team, which is like the Packer fans, the cheese heads. Ooh. Like anybody who's going to be out there in like minus 25 <laughs> degree weather <laughs> yes. with the block of cheese on your head. God yes. bless you. Um, my third, I'm going to the English Premier League and the Man U fans. I love a good, what do they call it when they get to scuffle in after the games? Like the bar fights? They have the hooligans. The hooligans, the the hooligans. are yeah. out there. Um, so I'll go with them, uh, just cause I feel like I wanted a little flavor in there. My second fan base, it's because I was, I experienced it and I lived in Cleveland for a couple of years. It's the Browns fan base. Like, we went to a game. I took my sons because we wanted to experience it. It was like all of zero degrees out. They were 0 and 8 and the place was banana cakes. It was packed. The scene was out of its mind. They are, they're, they're rabid for the, the Browns. No matter what happens there with the Cavs or anybody else, they're Browns fans first mm-hmm. and they never win anything. Right. So I got to give them that. And then the Eagles, um, I'd really go with any Philadelphia team, but I asked Debo, right? No, I would because they are passionate. I played in Philly. They booed damn Santa Claus.
2: (laughs) Yeah. They booed, they threw batteries at Santa Claus.
1: Yeah. Like Destiny's Child came out for the, for the, um. (laughs) They
3: threw snowballs at Santa Claus through one battery at JD Drew. JD Drew, right? (laughs) Just to get it straight. Like bananas.
1: They, they booed Destiny's Child at the All-Star game in, in 2001 because. To be fair. She had a Kobe. One of them had a Kobe jersey, but the other one had an AI jersey. So right. you can't boo the whole. Beyonce. Yeah, bro. So anyway, I'll go with Eagles fans out of all the Philly fans because they're just nuts. Football fans are nuts.
2: All right. So you, that was a very good list. Thank Outstanding you. list. I was a little bit of a cop out on some of these because okay. I didn't get as specific as you, but I like the way you did you. All right. So my number five, Florida State. I, I can't. I got to I gotta, I gotta throw one up for the, for the, for the homies. I, <laughs> no, I got to pour one out for them. My number four, you went with the Man U. I went with. The soccer mafia, as I call them. The soccer mafia. If you... Watch like the Seattle Sounders. Oh, I love or it. Is the Portland Sounders. No, it's I don't, Seattle Sounders, <laughs> Portland Timbers. Yeah. yeah, those people are nuts. And then I, it just goes all across the, the, the world, like soccer fans. If you look at the riots that take place yeah, in the stands, Scarves they are nuts. And, yeah, so I'm going to put them all in one group. And they hate because I've always kind of ripped soccer. Yeah, like you know, hey, it's good for it for my daughters to play or something can, like that. Yeah, and they sure. Hate it. Can I
1: interrupt for one second? Yeah, we went to, we did a training camp in Italy um with the sons, and we got to go see Italy play Yugoslavia in a friendly right after Italy won the world cup there were real fires in the stands yes. multiple fires in the stands
2: <laughs> yeah they yeah. don't care they yeah. don't give a f they're going to go up there and light <laughs> fires all right my third most passionate fan base i'm going to go with this, the new york mm-hmm. giants yankees and i'll even like throw in the whole like jets Gi- uh, jet's mets long island like the the rangers all jets, of them jets mets islanders yeah that that crew is one for sure they the stick together yankees giants Rangers. Yes, they definitely stay together. Yes. There's a there's a there's a there's a pack, they run together. Yeah, but they're nuts. And they like you said with Cleveland, I was on some bad Giants team. They still went, even though it was freezing, still went to support their team. Yep. Second most, I'm gonna go with Boston. Like the yeah. the Pats, the Bruins, the Celts. Yeah. They're good. They're, the Red, are good. Like a, that, they're good. that crew is pretty they're pretty passionate and about this yeah. 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 My number one most passionate fan base, for better or for worse is Alabama. Yeah. Alabama football fans, think about it. And they How only have them? they only have Alabama football. Like, I, there's no NBA team. I feel There's uh, no NFL team. So they're throwing a, you know, 365, 24-7. It's all into Bama football. That's a
1: great call. Now, I don't should know I, I is that, that, is
2: that sliding Auburn? Should I put the whole, no, nah, I'll just, I'll stick with Bama cause they're fans. And trust me, I know this personally. They like to have it at, have yeah. at it with me on Twitter. <laughs> uh, they are. And that's, it's, uh, it's, it's best. I mean, college football fans, I could have thrown them in a whole group cause I do feel like college football fans are more passionate. Now you go up to New England and that area, New yeah. York, Boston. Cleveland, those fans who aren't huge college – I shouldn't say Cleveland because they like Ohio State. Uh, but I, I look at it, and those fans in the New England area, they kind of look at like, what do you guys get in college football? I don't understand that. Right. Um, so
1: It's a way of life. I had an Alabama fan. That was a great call. I don't know how I missed it. Um, <laughs> we went to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, 93, 94 was yeah, it? Yeah, Miami.
2: Th- Miami. Miami Bam. installing Tony Langham
1: with yes, the strip and like 92 I think. 92 maybe, yeah. yes. So the roll tide, I had no idea what that was I and mean, they just kept roll, roll yeah. tide. And so I was with my sister who was probably like 10 and we got separated from my parents. They had other seats and I cheered at one point when the Miami Hurricane scored. Uh, old Look dude behind out. me, he poured a beer on me. <laughs> he, he did.
2: He poured a beer on me. Oh, and yeah. This, yeah. My, my, my grandma, God rest her soul, went to uh, the Orange Bowl to watch me play Miami. Yeah. And like you talk about F-bombs and she was like 80 at the yeah. time. They were yelling at her cause she had the little pin on her right, right, picture right. of me. Danny's And they grandma. were screaming at her. Yeah. <laughs> and it like sounds really awful, but I get it. Like I think it's, I think it's what makes, as long as you don't, as long as you're not violent. Yes. Like, you know, but Agreed. throwing, throwing, throwing urine. beer.
1: I was, I was 13. Like I was yeah. like, come
3: on. <laughs> yeah. That's crossing the line a little bit. All right. Let's do some topics. Devo, what you got for us? How is it episode eight and we still haven't talked about Montana high school girls basketball? Seriously, what's up with that?
2: Change, gotta give him some love. <laughs> changes, got three
3: girls. Changes right now. So this is a final score from a game the other night. Freud Medicine Lake High 102, Brockton High 0. Oh, competitive. Raja, right. uh, you're, you're a coach with U Sports. What's the what's the proper way to handle a blowout? I know uh, you're uh, never going to be on the other end of it, be a zero. Uh, you're not going to be broken. I, I don't know, man. That's, <laughs> what do
1: you do? That's tough. I so my teams typically are strong for our age group, Um and I will let my starters. I feel like there's a responsibility to play them. They work hard, so I will play them for a while. Once I get up a certain amount, then I go to my then I go to the you know to my bench and I go towards the end of my bench. But even those kids. There are times when they're much better than the teams we're playing. And I don't know what to tell them. Like, I might not let them press anymore. Yeah. Right? But if you still can't score against our zone, I can't then have them come down to the other end of the court and not shoot. Like, you know, some of these kids that don't play need a chance to play too. So I I honestly don't know what to do. Do you just let them score?
2: Right. So in baseball, there's a 10-run rule, especially, yeah. you know, youth levels. Um, Football, they'll go to running clocks players
1: clocks in high school basketball
2: too. When do they implement those? Like is so it a
1: 30 30? I think it's 25 or 30. We had one the other night in the high school game.
2: I don't know cuz I I get it. Like I'm totally with you. And at Florida State, you know, people thought we were running up the score. And in high school, we were good at baseball and people said, "Oh, why wow, are you still playing people? You need to get in your work." Sure. If it's 59 nothing at half, 59-0 at halftime and basketball zero points. I don't know. I think maybe like I, I think this is where you say, "Hey, this is sports. Why don't you give like, let's make an exhibition. We'll give you some of our players. Then we yeah. had five players on the other team. Sure. One was an eighth grader. Like, say, if we want to get work in, if we really want to do that, Let's just let's turn have it a into practice. a scrimmage. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. We'll take the win. You guys forfeit, whatever it is. Let's keep playing so the girls can have fun, so, so. and then make it more enjoyable for the other team. Like we'll take two. We'll give them. We'll just roll. Options. So, yeah. Options, right? Yeah. Like
1: if you you've had enough. Yeah. We've had enough. Yes. Let's see, but in high school they're really by they're yeah. really by the rules because it opens Pandora's box and it opens. it sets yeah. precedent. And now you got people saying like, you know, you just should give me a game because I need a game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's weird, but I agree with you, dude. Like that's. How healthy can that be for 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 anybody to get rolled like that?
2: Like how do you? <laughs>
3: not good. Jesus. No. How bad are they to not uh, score yeah. a point? <laughs> Maybe they should Shut down them. the program. <laughs>
2: All right. What's next?
3: Alright, Danny, you were once teammates with Clinton Portis. Yeah. You got to see him this weekend. You ever drink Hennessy with him? <laughs> not,
2: not, on game day. Cause he used to have an all white party that was awesome. And I was, it wasn't only white people. Of course, everybody knows that. You know, you had to dress in all white. Um,
3: great dude. One of my favorite teammates was a ton of fun. And
2: maybe there was a reason he was so much all right, fun. So
3: who knows if he did that in Denver, but he definitely took Hennessy shots before games while he was a Redskin. This audio, courtesy of NBC4 in Washington, D.C.
0: Myself, Santana, and Sean, prior to the game, we would take a little shot like him. You know, take not a little, little shot. A little shot, shot what
1: are you taking off shot Hen, of?
0: yeah. yeah we we, have, we, yeah, we yeah. were drinking Henderson. So okay. me, Santana, and Sean, we did this for a year and a half before anyone knew. It was never two, three, four shots. It was, you know what, here it go. Let's go. Right, me, right. Let's go ball.
3: So referencing... What? Santana Moss and Sean Taylor, teammates with the Redskins, also teammates of his, with Miami. So after Sean Taylor tragically passed away, Portis and Moss continued this tradition. But a new head coach came in, Jim Zorn, came in and kind of shut it down. No and Portis said, this kind of lost the locker room. What are your thoughts? Is it fair for Zorn to come in and do this? It seems so. Here's my issue with it. Why did you let the coaches see it? Like I don't have a problem with it.
2: Like I think you see guys all the time. If it's cold, they'll have brandy or something. Like right, that. it's right. one shot and you're not hammered. Like Clinton was said he wasn't hammered. They just did it for a shot. And they they it, originally he said they started it to kind of take the edge off to kind of just hey we're gonna go play football. Let's let's just roll. Yep. It was never in, uh, hey let's get drunk and play. And then it became a tribute to Sean Taylor. Like a ritual. I just don't understand why you would let the head coach find out about it.
1: Yeah, that's. Silly. Cause if you're
2: Zorn, you have to, like yeah. you have to say, and maybe you could handle it better. Say, Hey guys, I can't see that. Like, and right, that's probably right, what right, I would have right, done right. if I was a head coach and it's one of your most important players or a couple of them. I would have said, Hey, I don't care that you guys do it. You just can't be doing it out in the open in the locker room. That'd become a thing and they're trying to get everybody to do a shot. Like, I don't know the details of that, but where where did Jim
1: Zorn come from? He was a he was an old quarterback. Like he
2: played. College
1: did college coach? Was college no, coach? he college? coach?
2: No, he that was his first job. Though he was always a coordinator, quarterback coach. All right. And a lot of people said it was not a good fit. Good being uh it, being there.
1: That's what happens
2: sometimes. It, that's what I
1: think about. I mean, yeah, if you're gonna take some shots and you want to do it as a ritual or a tribute. I mean, do that stuff. You know, find a nice quiet place to do it. Throw them up in the air. Let's keep it moving. But coaches sometimes get into situations like that with players and and locker rooms where they feel like they have to come in and lay down the law. And you really don't. Right. Like you really don't like let sleeping dogs lie. If it's been going on, people aren't hammered. Like do what you said. Hey fellas, look, I I get it, bro. I played, take take it somewhere else. Don't do it here. Um, but there have been plenty of coaches that come in. They think that they're doing the right thing, and they lose a locker room or they lose a, a person on the team interval immediately.
2: There's a fine line between laying down the discipline, yeah. laying down the hammer, and losing guys, yeah. especially when they're making big money, and you're trying to like kind of showcase, and you're a newer coach. Sure. You're trying to say, hey, I've, I have authority, too. I can do this. You have to listen to me. It can, it can be a really tough line to walk as a head coach and you've got that's where you have to be such a good people person to know who you're dealing with
1: i was in utah jerry sloney got fired um tyrone corbin got the job called me and said hey i need you to be my my first we're in phoenix he calls me in up to the hotel room i need you to be my eyes and ears in the locker room kind of keep keep me you know keep the players and me you know be the liaison essentially is what he was saying i was all good with it i was like coach yeah do your thing like you know whoopty whoopty whoop um I used to go into the family room at halftime of games. It had started in Phoenix. Mike D'Antoni encouraged all the kids to be in the hallway, give them high fives. Like we had a family environment. So I would run into the locker room at halftime, you know, give my wife a kiss, give my kids a high five, go back out. He found out I was doing it and decided he wanted to set precedent, told me it was a bad look. Um, what would it look, you know, what were the optics of that? I was in there talking about him, which I was not, but immediately like you lost me. I'm out. Like, there's no need for you to do that. This is something, and I articulated, I've done this my whole career, like, this isn't a new thing, I'm just going, it gets me back to neutral and we can play again, but his need to control that, he lost, like, he lost me, and I became an enemy at that point. Like, I was a friend, but now you've made me an enemy, and too many coaches take that approach, like, it doesn't have to be one way like there's a way to work that out we're grown men at this point
2: all right that's it for episode eight we went a little bit long today hopefully you enjoyed it make sure you go to apple podcast subscribe download leave us a five-star comment in the comment ask us a question we'll answer it on the show anytime we have a chance make sure you to check us out on stitcher tune in anywhere they have podcasts google play we're there thanks for the support keep listening